0: Amen. Order our steps. If you love the Lord this morning, say amen. 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 God, we want you to order our steps today. God, we want to receive from your word. Our mind is alert and our heart is receptive. We will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're continuing our unbinding series today, and we continue to walk together in this journey of 40 Days. And we continue individually and corporately to learn how to pray and how to share our faith. We're also in the time of 40 days of Lent. And Lent's the journey in the church that we set aside time to meditate and reflect on the Savior's journey to the cross. And Easter Sunday's on the way. Amen? Amen. And on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the ultimate victory over death Hell and the grave. Each of the four gospel writers in the New Testament share about the mighty acts of Jesus... ...and how he brought salvation and healing and reconciliation to the human creation. They each describe a God that took on flesh, that dwelt among us... ...that endured punishment and defeated death and reconciled us to God thereby giving us assurance of eternal life. People, this is good news. Amen? Amen? And we all know that this good news is described in a beautiful scripture, John three sixteen. And most of you know it, so say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the good news that we go about telling, that we have the assurance of spending our life now and eternity with God. Today's gospel that was depicted on the screen is in chapter 11 of John, which is one chapter right before we get to do all of this stuff called Holy Week. One chapter before we see Jesus riding on a donkey through town, washing his disciples' feet, and sharing the Last Supper, John's depiction shares that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. In this story, Jesus demonstrates his power over death. In this chapter, we see an example of extraordinary healing hospitality. The title of my message today is healing hospitality. And it's the healing hospitality that Mary and Martha were able to bring to Jesus. You see, their lives have been radically transformed by the ministry of Jesus. We know this because in verse 2 of chapter 11, it says that Mary was the one that had poured the costly perfume, commonly saved up for the burial, on Jesus' feet and she had wiped his feet with her hair. What a beautiful demonstration of healing hospitality and extravagant worship. This Mary who poured her tears and her oil at the feet of Jesus. Now desperate in the gospel sends for Jesus to heal her dying brother. However Jesus doesn't come until Lazarus has been dead in the grave for four days. And when Jesus arrives, he sees Mary and Martha, and he sees their disappointment, and he sees them weeping, and we see that he too, feeling their pain for their brother, weeps. Jesus goes to the tomb, and there at the tomb, he sees a a barrier stone placed in front of the tomb. The body had been dead for four days. But seeing that the the tomb had a barrier stone in front of it, he tells them to take the stone away. And, you know, something popped out at me as I meditated and read this scripture this week. Because Martha says to him, and we saw it in the depiction today, and it's in the scripture. She says, Lord, he's been dead for four days. If you move the stone out of the way... There's going to be a terrible smell. But Jesus insists, remove the barrier. Then Jesus prays, and he calls Lazarus by name. And he says, come forth from death to life. Jesus immediately then says, unbind him. Take the grave clothes off of him because he's alive. And he's, a, he's free. This story today touches my heart because it illustrates how we become Mary and Martha's to people who are in barriers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about this week. Persons who are isolated and walled off and living in spiritual death have barriers that can be removed so that they can hear their name called. Jesus can call them by name and restore their life. They can be unbound from fear and rejection and isolation and destructive patterns. The grave clothes can be removed and they can experience healing, hope, purpose, and power as the life of Jesus Christ Comes into their heart. The question I have for us today, church, is are we willing to remove the barriers that are keeping people from finding life? Are we willing to look beyond what people look like to see what they can become? Are we willing to endure the smell of death on people long enough to allow Jesus to call their name? And restore them to life. What if Mary and Martha would have said. No way you're going to roll that stone away. I'm not going to smell that smell in here. No. What if they would have said. He's dead. It's done. That's it. There's no hope for him. Should have been here four days ago Jesus. (laughs) Instead. They just did. As he said. And they risked. The smell of death that there might be life hallelujah are we inviting the smell of death into our churches because we believe that people can get into the presence of Jesus and have their grave clothes removed and experience new life I'm so thankful in my personal life that when I was in the grave when I was locked off behind barriers, that there was a Martha that was in my life. And my Martha was my little grandmother, Jane Wood, in Rosenberg, Texas. She loved me, she cared for me, she nursed me, she cried with me, and she was willing to risk a relationship with someone and something in her grandson that she couldn't understand, As I returned from Oral Roberts University in June of 2001, I had left school, returning to Rosenberg to live in the cave, knowing that God had created me a homosexual, and that somehow and some way God had a purpose for all of this. But at that moment, I just felt like dying. Have you ever been there? All I ever wanted to do was serve the Lord and to be a minister. And now that, it had come, now that I had come out of the closet, I had no idea where or how that was going to happen. I was isolated, lonely, and afraid. I was working as the manager at Palais Royal in Meyerland, not down the, far from Wieda over there. And I was going looking for a boyfriend and going to the bars every night. I was in the cave. But one afternoon, Granny said, When you get home late this afternoon, I want to have lunch with you. She asked me to come down from my apartment, and she fixed my favorite meal of smothered steak and butter squash. And after lunch, she fixed me a piece of chocolate cake, and then she began to roll the stone away. She said, I love you unconditionally, and I will always love you no matter what. You will always have a home with me. However, son, I can see the conflict in your heart that is keeping you very unhappy. She went on to say that I was too young to be this miserable. Then she said something very powerful to me. She said, you have to make up your mind how you want to live. You have to choose to be happy. You can't live your life for anybody else but you and God. If it's what you want and it's what you need, you're not always going to be able to please everybody else. You've got to decide what side of the fence you're going to get on. You have to be true to you and no one else. If you stay unhappy, you're going to make everybody else that comes into your life unhappy. She said, what side of the fence are you going to get on? And I'm thinking, what is granny talking about? And I didn't really want to understand what she was talking about. And I said, huh? And she said, did you mean ma'am? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she said, girls or boys? What side of the fence? It's time to decide. All right. The stone was being rolled away. She said, I love you and God loves you, but if you keep trying to please others, you're going to end up hurting a girl and hurting yourself. My prayer for you, son, she said, is that you find a nice young man and settle down and be happy. Build a home and dream some dreams and serve God in the best way you know how. That's all we, any of us can do. And I will be here for you If nobody else understands we cried and cried together that day and then we talked about all the juicy details about being a homosexual (laughs) because she was willing to roll the stone away and understand my life even though it was a little bit smelly to granny That's what all of us are called to do, church. We're called to be ministers of healing hospitality. We're called to love people in death until Jesus can bring them back to life. Like my grandmother, many of you in here in this church have been willing to roll the stone away from people's lives and care for hurting and wounded people. And today I've asked my sister Rebecca to come and sing a song with me. And I want to dedicate the song to you the ministers of healing and to my grandmother today. not know me now. See each life somehow touched by your generosity Little things that you had done Tchau e that people like Granny gave, I'm glad that there are countless others that are Martha's in people's lives, seeing beyond what they can see to what people can be. And this truly is what we're called to be as a people of God, people that love unconditionally and bring people into the presence of God. Sometimes, though, church, it's hard. It's hard to be a whosoever church. You see, think about it. Martha didn't understand Lazarus' death, and she didn't understand how he was going to be brought back to life. My grandmother didn't understand how to relate to my sexuality. But thank God, they rolled back the stone and made a way for Jesus to come near and heal. You see, I've been in the ministry since I was 17, and I've seen how hard it is for church folks To understand and relate to people of various backgrounds, expressions, and affinities. You see, it can be hard for us to keep on loving and keep the love and acceptance flowing towards people when we don't know or understand. One of the saddest moments I've ever experienced in my ministry happened right here in my first year as Director of Connections. Oh, the pride committee made the most beautiful floats you've ever seen and that year they even made a replica of the stained glass window and Mark was so proud he gathered all of us and he said we want everybody whosoever to come and march and to walk with us in that float well we were there that night and it was big and it was exciting and we were proud and we had our t-shirts and we were cheering and all of a sudden. It was a young person came up to me and they said, I am so excited. This is my first time to ever walk in the parade. I said, well, hallelujah. And they said, and I'm also really proud because I get to walk my first time with the church. And boy, my heart just bolstered up. And I was so excited for that young person. And as we began to march down the parade route and everybody was cheering and we were singing and rocking the float. All of a sudden I looked around and I, I, I noticed that the young person wasn't there. Where did they go? Are they lost? Did they get lost in the resurrection crazies? Where are they? And I began to ask, where, is, where are they? And someone finally said to me, uh, they're not walking with us. They took off down that way. And I said, what do you mean they're not walking with us? And they took off down that way. And then somebody said to me, well, they were dressed inappropriately. And so someone let them know that they were dressed inappropriately to represent the church. I said, oh, my gosh. I was devastated. You see, we had church we had invited. We had said that we loved unconditionally. And I'm sitting there thinking as I'm walking What must this young person be feeling? So I asked all night long. I thought about that scripture, you know, where Jesus leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one. And so I I asked all night long. And finally I found someone that had their cell phone number. And I called them and I said, what happened to you? Why weren't you walking with us? You were so proud. And when I finally got the young person to talk to me, What they said was unbearable to me. They said, I was told I was unacceptable. So I went back to the bar and I found my friends who would accept me. My friends asked me why I wasn't with the church. And I told them, unless you fit in their dress code, you're unacceptable. No matter what I said, no matter what ministry I did, you see, that's what the young person heard by what we did. And I tried to say, no, that, wasn't just, that was not just one person. It wasn't everybody, you see. But that, that's the message that they got. And finally, they just said, you know, if someone would have been honest with me and told me that you have to have a dress code at your church, I would have conformed. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning, but I'm preaching a little bit hard. Because we have to crack this thing open if we're going to really reach out. And we're going to be ministers of healing hospitality. Yeah. You see, the reason I share the story of my grandmother and her ability to unpack and roll the stone away and to understand something she couldn't understand. And the, why, the reason I tell you about the young person that got the wrong message that day is we've got to become people that remove barriers People, we've got to be able to do whatever it takes to move the stone away so that people can hear the good news about Jesus. And that means sometimes it's going to smell. Sometimes we're going to have to ask God to help us love people that feel unlovable to us. Sometime we're going to have to care for those that rub us the wrong way. If we love unconditionally, God has given us a promise. If we bring Christ to the tomb of people's life, God will allow us. You notice in the story, it's not Jesus that goes and rolls the stone. It's us. He'll allow us to move those stones out of the way. And he will come in and he will heal hurts and brokenness. And he will touch hearts. And he will unbind their hearts and take their grave clothes off and set them free. Let's go to God in prayer today. God, we thank you that you loved us when we were in the cave. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that you sent Mary and Martha to us, that we able to see what we were even before we could see it. And we thank you that nobody, when nobody else would identify us, you called us by name. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I need Jesus to call me by name. Jason, I'm in one of those cave places where I feel like death. Pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If that's you this morning and you need prayer, pray for me. Right here, right here, right here. Hallelujah. God, I thank you that you see us, that you know us, and that you've seen these hands this morning, God. And God, you are calling them by name. You are saying, they are not going to die, but they are going to live. So heal their body, restore their purpose and their passion, and then give them the assurance to know that you will be with them and they will be with you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.